I invite you to take your bulletins and turn to page 8. There you'll see our scripture passages that we're going to be reflecting on today. We are coming close to the end of our summer series where we do something a little bit different during the summer and look at various themes and topics, what scripture has to say about them. This summer we have been spending some time in the Proverbs and looking what Proverbs has to tell us about a number of different important things that touch our lives. Uh, Next Sunday, just a heads up, we have a guest preacher coming, Dr. Peter Lilbeck, as the uh, president of Westminster Seminary in Philadelphia, and he's going to be coming through town and through some connections we have with him and our church, uh, we were able to get him to preach to us next Sunday. So that'll be next Sunday. Uh, But today we're going to continue on in our series in the Proverbs, looking at the issue of conflict. So I'd invite you to turn Uh, to page 8, and follow along as I read to you uh, these passages. The first two are Jesus speaking. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I came to cast fire on the earth, and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I've come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on in one house there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. The beginning of strife is like letting out water, so quit before the quarrel breaks out. It is an honor for a man to keep aloof from strife, but every fool will be quarreling. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. For lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. Drive out a scoffer, and strife will go out, and quarreling and abuse will cease. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who tarry long over wine, those who go to try mixed wine. A greedy man stirs up strife, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be enriched. A man of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. A brother offended is more, unyi- is more unyielding than a strong city, and quarreling is like the bars of a castle. A fool's lips walk into a fight. And his mouth invites a beating. Whoever meddles in a quarrel not his own is like one who takes a passing dog by the ears. Whoever loves transgression loves strife. 
He who makes his door high seeks destruction. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Let's pray together. Father, hard things from your word today. Open our hearts and our eyes and our minds. Help us to see what we need to see from your word. Help us to grow in our understanding of what it says and how it applies to our lives. Do this through the work of your Holy Spirit. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if uh, Trinity is your church home or you have been around us for a while then uh, you are familiar with what a presbytery is. But I also recognize that some of you are new to Presbyterianism. We have visitors today. Uh, A presbytery is the regional governing body for Presbyterians. In our denomination, in the PCA, we have uh, somewhere between 80 and 90 uh, presbyteries spread out across the country. Our presbytery here is called Siouxlands, and it is made up of all of our churches in Minnesota, North Dakota, In South Dakota, presbyteries oversee all of the churches that are within their geographical bounds. And our presbytery meets three to four times a year. All of the pastors in the presbytery are required to attend. And each church then has the uh, option of sending two delegates of their ruling elders to represent the church. The things that take place during Presbytery are like the review of the minutes of all of our session uh, session meetings. Uh, We examine men to be pastors within our Presbytery. We work on planting new churches. We help churches that are having issues and problems within. And we help ensure that pastors are being well cared for. Now, why am I telling you all this about our Presbytery? When I first moved to Minnesota in 2008, I transferred into Siouxland's Presbytery, and I quickly found out that the Presbytery was deeply mired in conflict. It was a hot mess of a situation. The conflict was around a theological controversy that was taking place. I'm not going to go into all the details of the theological issue, but suffice it to say, it was bad. It largely surrounded one man's theological views that were off, and quickly there were sides within our presbytery. It took years of presbytery meetings, committees meeting, individuals meeting, countless hours to get resolution and to resolve the conflict. Charges were brought against several men within our presbytery. We had, we had two church court cases that took place within our presbytery, and we even had a judicial case that was sent up to what's called the Standing Judicial Commission, which is kind of like the Supreme Court in our denomination. It was a mess. At one point, things had gotten so bad that myself, And a couple other men had to physically get between two pastors who were on opposite ends of the conflict. I think it's about as bad of a presbytery conflict uh, that I've seen or heard about in my 27 years in vocational ministry. It's, It's fair to say ministry suffered in our presbytery during the time of that conflict. Now, I'm happy to tell you that it's a very different day today. 
the conflict was resolved. The theological problems were dealt with. Almost all of the men who were the core people involved have left, some for other presbyteries, some for other denominations. Some have left ministry all together. Today it's a very different presbytery. It's much more peaceful. There's a a brother-mindedness in our presbytery today. Conflict is everywhere. Even among pastors and elders in a small conservative Presbyterian denomination like ours. And the first conflict took place a long time ago. It was in the Garden of Eden. As Adam and Eve fell in sin through the influence of the serpent. And since that day, we can see conflict throughout redemptive history as we look in the scriptures. And we ourselves know that we deal with all kinds and levels of conflict in our lives on a daily basis. If nothing else has shown that to be true, just think of the past three years. The question is not whether we are going to have conflict or not. The question is, how are we going to handle it? How are we going to deal with it? How are we going to seek to resolve it? And if we want to be wise and we want to be godly in how we deal with conflict in our lives and in the lives of our friends and family, we need to learn what God's word says about it. And there are lots of places that we can go into the scriptures to learn. But today, we're going to look primarily at what Proverbs has to say about conflict. What wisdom can we get from Proverbs about conflict? Let's look and see what the Bible tells us about the kinds of conflict that there are, the causes of conflict, the consequences of conflict, and then the remedies for conflict. Now, before we jump into the meat of what Proverbs has to say to us about conflict, I want to just acknowledge that there are different kinds of conflict. There, there is right conflict and there's wrong conflict. Now, just look again at these first three passages. The first two, Jesus speaking, and the, the third is Paul. Jesus says, I have said these things to, to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I came to cast fire on the earth and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on in one house there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. Jesus was clear with his disciples. To live as a follower of Jesus will put you in conflict with the world. For the Christian who is seeking to love and obey the Lord and to follow the Lord's word, there will be tribulation, he says. There will be division. There will be conflict. As Paul said, Christians are not simply to live conformed to the the ways of the world, but we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. 
And when we are in seasons of life where the world is moving further and further away from what is true and right and holy according to God's word, and the Holy Spirit is at work in us as God's people to make us more and more conformed to his word, we're going to have more and more conflict with the world. That kind of conflict is right. It's appropriate. We could go so far as to say that if we don't have tribulation and division and conflict with the world, we have reason to question if we truly understand and are living by God's word in the ways that we should be. So there's a sense in which there's right conflict. But what we're looking at today primarily is a wrong conflict. Look at what. The Lord says in Proverbs 6, verses 16 and 19, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. The the, the Lord hates the one who sows discord among brothers, creates conflict among brothers. That that word brothers can certainly mean family members, but it almost uh, certainly is also referring to fellow believers in Christ, our brothers and sisters in Christ. The Lord hates that kind of wrong conflict, he says. Or Proverbs 17, uh, verse 4, the beginning of strife is like letting out water. So quit before the quarrel breaks out. The beginning of strife, the beginning of conflict is like a is like breaching a dam with a small hole. And once the water begins to flow out, there's no way to stop it. There's no way to get it back in. And it continues to build and build and there's more and more water and eventually the dam breaks forth. The Lord says that's what the beginning of a wrong conflict is like. And he says, quit it. Quit it before the quarrels. Because the, door, the Lord doesn't like wrong conflict. Or Proverbs 20, verse 3. It is an honor for a man to keep aloof from strife. This is to put it the opposite way. It's an honor for someone to keep aloof from, from conflict. That word aloof in the Hebrew means uh, to cease, to desist, to cut off. There is conflict that in the eyes of the Lord is wrong, is bad, and we need to stay aloof from it, he says. We need to cease from it. This is the kind of conflict we're talking about today as we look at the Proverbs. So what are the causes? Because of the fall, because of sin, there are many different causes of our conflict. But notice Proverbs gives us a handful that we ought to consider today. One of the causes of conflict is hatred. We see that in Proverbs 10, verse 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. When we cultivate hatred in our hearts, it often leads to conflict. It's not hard to understand. It's not hard to comprehend. When we hate someone, when when we hate something, we want to see their downfall. We want to see them be defeated. And so conflict arises as we express our hatred with our words and in our actions. Not only is hatred a cause, impatience is as well. We see that in Proverbs 15, verse 18. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. The Hebrew word there for hot-tempered has the sense of having a, a hot burning rage within that causes you to lash out quickly. 
This is a picture of somebody who's impatient, quick to lash out with their words and in their actions, not someone who is slow to anger, not somebody who is patient. Because of our impatience, we stir up strife, we have conflict. Another cause of conflict is gossip. You can see that in Proverbs 16, verse 28. A dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. Uh, the, the word there that's being translated in the ESV is dishonest man. It, that Hebrew has the sense of a perverse slanderer. A perverse slanderer. And often when we slander others, what are we doing? We're gossiping. Gossip brings conflict. It drives a wedge between people and others. It brings strife. It brings separation. You can see it in the second half of the verse as well, where a whisperer, a whisperer separates close friends. A whisperer is someone who gossips quietly. Come here. Let me tell you something. A whisperer, a gossiper. It brings conflict. You can see it in Proverbs 26, verses 20 and 21 as well. For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. A whisperer, someone who who gossips is like wood to the fire. It's like putting charcoal, fresh charcoal briquettes on hot embers. Gossip becomes fuel for quarreling, for strife, for conflict. Another cause of conflict is scoffing. You see that in Proverbs 22, verse 10. Drive out a scoffer and strife will go out and quarreling and abuse will cease. What does it mean to be a scoffer? To be a person who scoffs. It's to speak about others in a mocking, contemptuous, ridiculing way. It's to deride someone, it's to sneer at them, it's to be scornful toward them, it's to make fun of them. And Proverbs says that if you get rid of people like that, then strife and conflict will leave, it will go out, quarreling and abuse will cease. So what that means, it must mean, is that one of the causes of conflict is being a person who scoffs, being a scoffer. Are you a scoffer? Are you someone who's prone to scoffing? You find it easy to mock others, to deride, to ridicule people, to make fun of them? Proverbs says that creates conflict. Another cause of conflict is drunkenness. You can see that in Proverbs 23, verses 29 and 30. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has conflict? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who tarry long over wine. Those who go to try mixed wine. Being an alcoholic, being a drunkard, struggling with drunkenness, that leads to conflict in life. DUIs. Going broke. Deceiving spouses. Deceiving friends. Losing your job. Drunkenness inevitably leads to conflict, whether it's with law enforcement, 
with the law, with your spouse, with your family, with your boss. It's a cause of conflict. Another cause of conflict we see is greed. We read that in Proverbs 28, verse 25. A greedy man stirs up strife, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be enriched. If, if you're greedy, you go after things. You go after people that you want. And you're willing to take those things away from others, to steal it, to lie about it, to be deceptive, to get it. And Proverbs says that the greedy man will stir up strife and cause conflict and contention. Another cause of conflict is being a quarrelsome person. You see that again if we look at Proverbs 26 20 and 21. For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. Proverbs 20, verse 3, it's an honor for a man to keep aloof from strife, but every fool will be quarreling. Now, of course, quarreling is conflict. But here, what Proverbs is saying is that a quarrelsome person kindles strife, causes conflict. If your personality is quarrelsome, if, you're, if it's your nature to quarrel, to, to easily pick fights, and that's going to lead to conflict. A, a quarrelsome person is contrarian about everything that is said to them. They, they argue for argument's sake. These are people who disagree with everything and everyone. They love to dispute and to squabble and to feud. And quarrelsome people like that bring conflict. They bring conflict all around them. One final cause that we see here for conflict is anger. Proverbs 29, verse 22. A man of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. This one's not hard to understand either. Angry people cause conflicts. People that are just angry all the time and anger is just below the surface. If you're a person who can go from zero to 60 with anger in no time at all, you're going to have conflict with others. It goes hand in hand with impatience. These are people who aren't patient with people. They quickly get angry. And the result is conflict. So these are, these are some causes to, to what we're referring to as a wrong or, or bad conflict. And I'll just ask you, as I've reflected on myself this week, do any of these hit home? Do any of these causes of conflict, do you see them in your lives, in your hearts? Can you relate? Well, what does Proverbs tell us about the consequences of our conflict? Well, it tells us several things. One is that conflict causes separation, separation from friends and family. Again, uh, Proverbs 6, uh, verse 19, toward the top of the page, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. Conflict leads to discord. Among brothers, among family and friends, it brings contention, it brings separation. 
And you can see it in Proverbs 16, verse 28, a few more down on the page, kind of in the middle. 16:28. a dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. Gossip leads to strife and to conflict with that and that leads to separation of friends, division. Or look at Proverbs 18, verse 19, the fifth from the bottom. 18:19. a brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city and quarreling is like the bars of a castle. Most of the scholars that I looked at this week said that they consider this to be one of the most difficult proverbs to translate and to understand, to interpret. But most likely the sense here is that quarreling, conflict, giving offense leads to disruption in relationships that are hard to repair. It causes a rift. It causes separation between people that is hard to break through, like steel bars that hold the gate of a castle tightly shut. It's hard to penetrate when those relationships have been damaged. That's one of the consequences of conflict, is that it brings separation between family and friends. Another consequence is that conflict can bring harm. Look again at Proverbs 18, verse 6, the fourth one from the bottom. A fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. And this is talking about conflict that can lead to literal bodily harm. You can walk yourself into a fight. You can invite a beating. Not unlike those two pastors that almost got into it at the presbytery meeting. You can also see it in Proverbs 22, verse 10, which is five up from that. 22 verse 10, drive out a scoffer and strife will go out and quarreling and abuse will cease. That, that word there in the Hebrew for abuse has the sense of, of disgrace and dishonor and shame and discredit. So here's, here's the sense is not so much physical harm that can come as a consequence of conflict. But what this is talking about is a harm to your reputation, to your name, to how people think of you. Conflict can lead to disgrace and dishonor and discredit of your reputation. Another consequence of conflict is being a fool. Proverbs 20, verse 3, the sixth from the top. It is an honor for a man to keep aloof from strife, but every fool will be quarreling. In Proverbs, there's a connection between being a fool and quarreling and being a person of conflict. And throughout Proverbs, there's a contrast between the wise person and the foolish person, between wisdom and foolishness. And wisdom is always good, and being a fool is always bad. Wisdom is walking with the Lord. It's, it's being in accord with His Word, and being a fool is walking with yourself, having a lack of truth consequences of being a person of conflict is that we become a fool. We act like a fool. And of course, one last consequence that we see here today, consequence of conflict is sin. Proverbs 29, verse 22, the sixth from the bottom. A man of wrath stirs up strife and one given to anger causes much transgression. Wrath and anger lead to conflict. Conflict causes transgression.
rebellion, revolt against God and against His Word. See it again in Proverbs 17, verse 19, the second one from the bottom. Whoever loves transgression loves strife. He who makes his door high seeks destruction. Again, we see this connection between strife, conflict, and transgression, sin. People who love conflict are people who love sin and rebellion. These are some serious consequences that we see that come from conflict. And as we've seen, we all do things that cause conflict in our lives and in the lives of others around us. And the consequences are severe and they're painful. So what does Proverbs tell us about the remedy of conflict? One of the remedies of conflict is patience. Proverbs 15 verse 18 in the middle of the page A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Right? That makes sense. If impatience is a cause of conflict, then being patient, being slow to anger, quiets conflict. The more that we can learn to be patient with people and not lash out quickly, whether with our words or our actions, the more that we can listen the more that conflict will be quieted or not started. Are you a patient person? I have a mentor friend that struggles with impatience and when he does, he he does some self-talk. He he talks to himself and, and this is what he asks himself. How patient is the Lord with his people? How patient is the Lord with the church? How patient was the Lord with Israel in the Old Testament? How how patient was the Lord with the New Testament church? How patient is the Lord with his church today? How patient is the Lord with you, his people? He's so patient with his people that he was even willing to die for them. And then he tells himself, if the Lord is that patient... I can be patient with whoever this person is that's standing in front of me. Patience is a remedy to conflict. Another remedy is controlling your temper. Related. Proverbs 19.11, the last one on the page. Good sense makes one slow to anger. And it is his glory to overlook an offense. It's good sense, Proverbs tells us. Good sense to be slow to anger. You can see it also in Proverbs 15, verse 18, in the middle of the page. He who is slow to anger quiets contention. Now, remember, we are talking here about wrong conflict, about bad conflict. There are certainly things that we are supposed to be angry about when there's injustice taking place, when there's disregard for the sanctity of life, when there is harm being done to those who are vulnerable, to children, that we are to be angry But Proverbs here is talking about controlling our anger, controlling our temper, not about those things, but about things which it's wrong for us to be quick-tempered about. One of the remedies to conflict in our life is to control our temper, to not lash out in anger. A third remedy that we see here is in Proverbs 22, verse 10, which is kind of in the middle of the page. It's avoiding people of conflict. 
Drive out a scoffer and strife will go out and quarreling and abuse will cease. Again, this makes good sense, doesn't it? Avoiding people of conflict, people who cause conflict, is going to reduce conflict in our lives. If you have quarrelsome people in your life, if you have scoffers and fools and gossipers and people who sow discord around you, Proverbs says, drive them out of your life, cut them off, don't hang around them, and don't let them influence you. Proverbs is saying it's wise to not spend time around people like that. It'll reduce the conflict in our life. A fourth remedy is that we ought to trust the Lord. You see that in Proverbs 28, 25, the seventh one from the bottom. A greedy man stirs up strife, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be enriched. There's this contrast here in the proverb between a greedy person who stirs up conflict and one who trusts the Lord. Trust the Lord to provide what you need, to bring people to justice who say hurtful things to you or about you. Trust the Lord to take care of whatever it is that is causing you to be impatient and quick-tempered. Trust the Lord to provide friends and community for you without you having to be trying to show yourself clever by bringing other people down. Trusting the Lord is one of the remedies that we have to conflict in our lives. And that leads to something similar, and that is that we are to be overlooking offenses. It's another remedy to our conflict. We are to overlook our offenses. Proverbs 19.11, good sense at the bottom. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. It is your glory to overlook an offense. The the word there, overlook, the the Hebrew word uh, means to let it go. To forgive. Rather than letting an offense lead you into conflict, Proverbs is saying, let it go. Forgive it. Move on. And now we're really starting to feel the weight of these remedies, aren't we? This one is hard. It takes humility, it takes wisdom, it takes strength, it takes perseverance. It's hard to overlook an offense against us. But the Lord says that this is a remedy to the conflict in your life. There is a lot that we need to overlook. When someone says something hurtful, mocks or scoffs at you, hurts your reputation. When someone gossips about you. When you're overlooked after you've done something important or special. Rather than initiating conflict and strife in those moments, it is your glory to overlook an offense, to let it go. And that leads to a final remedy for us today, closely related, the weightiest of all. Proverbs 10 verses 12 tells us that a remedy to conflict is love. In the middle of the page, the seventh from the top, Proverbs 10, verse 12, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Your love for the Lord, your love for other people, that's meant to cover offenses. 
to lead you away from conflict. Your, your love for the Lord and your love for others has to be stronger than all the things that tempt you to conflict. And as we think about all of these remedies, and especially these last two, that it is our glory to overlook an offense and that our love is to cover offenses against us, we can really feel the weight of how hard this is. What's going to be your motivation? What's going to motivate you to overlook an offense against you? What's going to motivate you to love someone such that it covers over an offense? You need to remember that before you were in Christ, you were in the biggest conflict that has ever existed with the creator of the universe. Before becoming a Christian, you were in conflict with the Lord God Almighty. Apart from Christ and because of our sin, we are in conflict with God. And we are on the wrong side of that conflict. God is right and we are wrong. God is holy and just and we are sinful. But you know the good news, don't you? God himself brought an end to the conflict. Jesus came into this world and he lived a life of perfect love and obedience to his father. And in perfect holiness, he dealt with conflict with the world and from the devil. And then what did he do? He willingly went to the cross and gave his life to pay for our conflict with our father. By removing the penalty and the power of sin for us, he brought an end to our conflict with God and he covered our offense against God by taking it upon himself and paying for it with his life. Brothers and sisters in Christ, there is no greater conflict that you will ever experience in this life. All of the conflict that we have in this life pales in comparison to the conflict that we once had with God and that Jesus has ended for us. And so as we deepen our understanding of how bad the situation was and we see Jesus's love covering over our offense through his death on the cross, the more that that gets into our hearts and our heads, the more that we're going to be motivated and strengthened and empowered to deal with conflict in our lives in a wise, godly, biblical way. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the wisdom of your word. As we read it, we confess that we know it's wise, we know it's right, we know it's perfect. Yet it's so hard for us to apply it into our lives. We know that as we leave this place today, as we go throughout this new week, we are going to have conflict. We pray, Father, that as we reflect on the ways that we sin and bring our sin into conflict, that you would give us the ability of rooting it out through the work of your spirit. Father, help us to pursue that which remedies conflict Make us people that love you and love our neighbors more than we love ourselves. 
Father, give us opportunities this week for that love to cover over offenses, to overlook and to forgive. And when those opportunities present themselves to us, Father, we pray for the work of your Holy Spirit to strengthen us in that moment that we might do what is right, what is good, what is pleasing to you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.